The Old Testament reading for this Trinity Sunday comes from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with the swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. 
and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it... God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading comes from Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would be set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he was poured out, 
He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. From God our Father and from our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. In the beginning, God created. Um, no, wait. In the beginning, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Oh, I'm so confused. Which is it? <laughs> today is Trinity Sunday, and today is one of those days that you can be confused by theology and still be a card-carrying Missouri Synod Lutheran. Theology is a word that means the study of God. It's formed from a couple of different Greek words. It technically means talking about God, or even more technically, it means words about God. That's theos, theo, that part of that. Theos is God. The logi or logi is logos, that's words. So these are words about God. We have words about biology, right? About bios, about life. Biology is study of life, words about life. Today we're talking about words about God, but what words can we have about God? I mean, Psalm 19 begins that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Verse 4 says, Their voice, the creation, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Creation itself speaks to us about God. These are some of the words that we can have about God. For example, from nature, from looking around, we can know that there is a God. Everything in nature 
as you study it, fits together, works together. From the, the different parts of a single cell, which in school we learn is a simple cell. No, it's not simple. It's incredibly complex. And the more you study it, the more you understand that. It works together. All those parts work together from a cell to the great ecosystems of the planet. They all work together in concert. Creation does not have the look of something that was thrown together, something that uh, came about by chance, randomly. That's not what you see if you study nature. But rather, everywhere you look, you see design and intent and organization. Creation is organized. It's efficient. It's planned. Nature declares loudly that there is a creator God. And from that creation, we can determine some things. We can determine that God is good. Each living part of the creation has what it needs, is provided for. Food, light, shelter, water, a way to propagate itself. The God who made the creation sustains it, provides for it. So we can see from that that God is good. And we can probably go on and we could probably name a few more attributes of God or from his, of his nature, from, uh, of God's nature from the created nature. But just a few things probably. We would know, for instance, that God is very far above us, right? We certainly couldn't do what he has done. We know that he's very far above us, very far off. The, the God who could create such a world who could provide for such a world is a being that is out of our realm of experience. So that we would be absolutely, positively, completely out of our depth to even try and describe him. You, you, you see the Athanasian Creed, right? <laughs> it does not even describe God. We'd be out of our depth to describe him unless he revealed himself to us, which he has done. Now, he, he hasn't revealed everything about himself to us. One day we will know uh, much more about God in ways that we cannot know today. We're told that in Scripture. But he has broken into our world to reveal himself, to reveal, among other things, his great love for this creation. He's given us his word, which tells us about his love, especially about his love for you, about his love for humanity, displayed in the sending of his son to die on the cross to be the payment for sin. And one of the aspects of God that we learn about in his word in the scriptures is that God is three persons in one, a tri-unity. Trinity. And we devote one Sunday each year, the Sunday following Pentecost, to designate it as Trinity Sunday, where we talk about that. And yet the Trinity permeates our worship every Sunday. 
we begin the service in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We make confession that we are each sinners in need of God's forgiveness, and His forgiveness is announced to us, again, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We often sing hymns that name the three parts, the three persons of the Trinity. Today we baptized Wren in the triune name of God. That's how important the triune name is to us as Christians. And the last thing we do is give a blessing to the congregation before we leave and go out into the world. Blessing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if I asked you what the Trinity is, well, you, you might be able to come up with some things, you know, some descriptions. Three in one, one in three, three persons, one God. And of course, you would be right. And there are other ways that we try and describe it, try and describe what is indescribable. We sometimes use uh, illustrations, especially with children, you know. We talk about an apple that has three parts, the skin and the flesh and the seeds. Or we talk about an egg that has the, the shell and the white and the yolk, you know. But it's still one egg, it's still one apple. But of course these things, they, they just come so far short. Because you can't say, as we read in the Athanasian Creed, you can't say that the yolk is an egg. Right? You can't say that the seed is an apple. It just doesn't work. So it falls short. Any way that we humans use to try and describe something as indescribable as the Trinity is going to fall very far short. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are co-equal, we say. They are all just as powerful, we say. They are all God, we say. We can worship each one of them, but we worship them in unity as God. We confess that God is, that Jesus is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, one substance with the Father. Trying to get across this idea that he is not a separate created being. He is God. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. We have no words to fully describe it. Our language is completely inadequate. And yet, we continue to confess it, to believe it, that God is three in one. Because that's what the scriptures tell us. That's what is witnessed to us by God himself. Where do we get the doctrine of the Holy Trinity in the scriptures? One place, of course, that's really evident is Jesus' baptism. Here you have the Son of God coming down to the water there. You have in the same uh, scene the heavens opened. You have the dove, the Holy Spirit, descending on Jesus. You have the words of God the Father speaking. This is my beloved Son. So here we have a scene in which we see all three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And of course, they are working together. They're doing something there. There's a reason Jesus is in that water being baptized right there. They're working together for your salvation, for my salvation. Another clear example, you remember, 
of the Trinity is in our gospel reading today, what we call the Great Commission. There Jesus is speaking to his disciples right before he's taken up into heaven. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's very interesting about that passage there is that Jesus uses that word name, and it's a singular name. The one singular name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not names in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That would say that they're three distinct gods. No. One name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We read it in Genesis today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did you hear the Trinity there? <laughs> God created the heavens and the earth. It's easy to miss. In the beginning, God. There, I threw out some of the words. Is that better? Did you hear the Trinity there? No. Okay. Well, then probably you know this. Uh, there's something that's lost there between the Hebrew and the English. That the word God is a plural word, Elohim. And we've talked about that ending in the Hebrew, im, like the cherubim and the seraphim. That's a plurality. So God is Elohim, a plural. And yet God is referred to as one, referred to as he, not they. Right? He. The New Testament really fleshes it out. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Jews, even today, recite the great Shema. And this, word, this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses is recapping for Israel what God has uh, commanded the people in the law. And he begins by saying, Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Elohein, Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. And he's saying, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God. Yahweh is one. And again, that word Eloheinu is a plural word. Our plural God is one. There's more in Genesis. The earth was without form and void, darkness over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God the Father said and that's a reference to Christ right? God could have created the world in a lot of ways he could have just thought it into existence but instead he speaks and God said and if you, if you listen there or if you glance through the really tiny type of our Old Testament reading there over and over again, God said, God said, God said. And John 1, that I referenced earlier, speaking about Jesus, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, John says. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the Word of God. All of creation was made through him. So in the very first verses of the Bible, talking about the creation of the world, we see the Trinity at work all over the place. The Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters. And, if I can change the words a little bit, and God put forth his word, saying, let there be. 
When we say God said, that's what we mean. He put forth his word saying this, let there be light and there was light. That word goes forth. So we have the, the Spirit hovering, the Father speaking, and the Word, Jesus, creating all things. And then, of course, in verse 26, we read, God said, let us make man in our image. These are plural references, right? After our likeness. God creates man because God is love. He creates creatures that can receive that love, that can love God back. And when mankind falls in the garden after the temptation of Satan, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together like the parts of that cell, only I'd say in a much better way, a much more, of course, incredible way. They work together for the salvation of man. In the Trinity, we see that God is beyond our comprehension, three in one. He is far above, far beyond us, so far. And yet, thankfully, although our God is far above and far beyond us, He is also right here with us. The very last promise that Jesus gives in Matthew, you read there in our reading today, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And with that promise, everything changes. He is no longer a somewhere out there God or a far beyond us God. Too big to know creator. We know him as the God who comes to us, the God who is with us, the God who will always be with us. Because in love, the second person of the Trinity took on your flesh, took on the flesh of humankind, and was incarnate as a baby. The far beyond us creator comes into his creation to be Emmanuel, God with us. The Father anoints the Son in his baptism at the Jordan River, anoints him to be the Redeemer of mankind, to be the one who was promised to Adam and Eve who would come. The one to be the new Adam, the new Israel. The one to bear the sin of Adam and Israel and you and me. Bear those sins to the cross. And so Jesus comes and he lays aside his glory. And as he does that, as he suffers and dies, as God takes the wages of sin and death on himself, God reveals a great deal more about his nature. He reveals his great love for his creatures. Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Rather than destroy us, rather than condemn us to everlasting hell, he instead offers himself as the Lamb of Sacrifice to bring us back into relationship with himself, creatures back into relationship with the Creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
a relationship that now is different than it was in the garden, as we have talked about before. Adam and Eve, it's true, they walked with God, they were near to God, but this is different. God has taken on human flesh in Christ. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he didn't leave his flesh behind in the grave. Could have done that. Wouldn't have been very hopeful for us, though. God brought humanity into the Godhead in the incarnation of Jesus. Paul writes in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. And in Romans 8 he writes, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Jesus prayed in John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is a great mystery. This is as big a mystery, I think, as the Trinity, that God has brought humanity into the Godhead. So then, the Holy Trinity worked together in concert to create all things, and then when he brought us back, he worked creation again. He gave us new birth of water and the Spirit, and he was acting as creator once again, making us a new creation through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is what Trinity Sunday is all about. It's not just an exercise in theology, not just a way that we uh, spend a little bit of time and try and figure out what that means. One God, three persons, three persons, one God. But we first hear the prophecies of Christ's coming in our church year. We first hear the prophecies of Christ's coming. Then we celebrate his birth, celebrate his baptism, learn about his teachings, his life, celebrate his sacrificial death, his burial in the grave, and his victorious resurrection, his triumphant into ascension into heaven, his outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost, and then we cap it all off with Trinity Sunday and celebrate what the Trinity has done for you and for me. The love that God has for us. How the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have worked together to save us. To give you eternal life. A life of joy and love and fellowship with God himself. And he is with you always to the very end of the age and beyond. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.